all the cares of this life. They drag us down. I'm not Jesus. <laughs> of course. And Jesus and I are not saying that it's bad that we worry. But when we worry so much that we allow these things to choke our life, our faith, our hope, then we are in danger of spiritual death. When the cares and worries of life get to us, we've forgotten. We've forgotten to put God first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We're not walking worthy of our calling, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Notice the needles on this thorn bush, the cares and, verse 14, the riches. Do riches choke you? I have never had a lot of money. By the world standards, I am rich though. And so are you. Everyone in this room, by the world standards, are rich. In this country, we lay up for ourselves earthly treasures where moth and rust destroy and thieves steal. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We covet what we see and we want and we want and we want. Even when commanded to let our conduct be without covetousness. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. We, we forget that we brought nothing into this world. That we're, we'll carry nothing out of this world. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 7. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Those who desire to be rich fall into snare those choked by riches, they love money. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. The love of money, which is the root of evil. Those choked by riches believe the opposite of the Bible. That one's life does consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Which the opposite of this is found in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. One's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Those choked by riches are more in line with Samuel L. Jackson, you know, the actor, than the Bible. He, he said this, he said, those who say money can't buy happiness never had any. And I think we fall more in line with that way of thinking than the Bible's way of thinking so many times. Needles on the thorn bush choke our faith. They choke our hope. They choke these out of our Christian life through the cares and the riches, and by living for the pleasures of this life. Oh, the food we enjoy. Don't we enjoy food? Oh, the, the clothes we enjoy, the, the shopping. I read something on the internet the other day. I wish I could illegally download clothes. The sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, the wine and the song, the chocolate. Just think of all the good things. The things of the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of family, the pride of country, the pride of achievement, the pride of status, the pride of life. is not of the Father, John writes, but of the world. John says, in our search 
for pleasure in our search to make ourselves popular, to make our children popular, we have become friends of the world. We, like cheating wives, James writes, like cheating wives or cheating husbands, we've left our first love. He says in James chapter 4, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, exclamation point. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. The needles of cares, of riches, of pleasures on the thorn bush of life, they drag you down. And notice Luke chapter 18 verse 14, the once promising seed now brings forth no fruit to maturity. There were some hints of fruit maybe there. There were some hints, maybe some buds that grew just a little bit. But if you are this soil. If you died today, to Hades you would go. You would go empty-handed. Turn in your songbooks. If you can, reach in front of you. Turn your songbooks to song number 258. We're not going to sing this song. We Usually when I make you turn to a song, we sing it. But this song number 258, it's, it's the song of the choked. I'm going to rename it. I'm going to retitle it. It's the song of the choked Christian. The song laments the author's life. Let me just read just a little. Must I go and empty-handed? What the author is saying there, must I go, must I die and never have done anything for Jesus? Never have done anything for God? Must I go and empty-handed is the question. Thus, my dear Redeemer meet. Not one day of service give him. Lay no trophy at his feet. Oh, the years of sinning wasted. Think of all those years that you've had and all the times that, that, that you could have done something for Jesus. What the author is saying here is, could I but recall the now, if I could just get them back, if I could just get all those years back, look what he would do with them. I would give them to my Savior, to his will I'd gladly bow. But it's too late, the author saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to go empty-handed. Oh, ye saints, arouse, be earnest, up and work while yet tis day. Ere the night of death o'ertake thee, strive for souls while still you may. Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to greet Him. Must I empty-handed go? Examine, examine yourself just a minute. Examine yourself just a minute. If you died right now, would you go empty-handed? Would you go that way? You may be asking and answering this question now because the needles on the thorn bush, they pull at us and they drag at us. What could have been... Full hands, full of beautiful fruit, are empty. Because things have been neglected. 
You know, when you, when you allow the thorns and needles and cares and riches and, and pleasures of life to, to drag at you and drag you down, Christian, when you allow that to happen, your fruit is pitiful and it becomes neglected. The, the Bible has been neglected. Those choked by the world are ashamed workmen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Not diligent, not approved. They misapply the word of truth. The neglected word of God no longer, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 7, 17, reproves, corrects, or instructs. It no longer does that. The cares, the riches, and pleasures have caused some to continually neglect being at worship on Sunday. The assembly has been neglected. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. It's been forsaken. You know, in in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47, it says that daily the Christians met. Daily those first Christians met. But so many have trouble with the commanded first day that Sunday night, Wednesday night, they're just out of the question. They're not even thought of. Neglecting Sunday night and Wednesday night, that's just the norm. So many have trouble with Sunday morning. Did you know that I write a brand new sermon for Sunday night? Do you know I don't preach the same sermon on Sunday night that I preach Sunday morning? Do you know that? This, tonight, we're going to be talking about the church in crisis. And are you tough enough to be a Christian? Don't you want to know? Don't you want to know how the church is in crisis and what you can do about it? Well, come tonight. It's a brand new sermon. Did you know that there have been Wednesday night teachers in the past and in the present and will be in the future? who work hard, they work hard to help us study the Bible. They not only have jobs during the week, but they have a a, a second job. I mean, that's a second job almost, studying for a class. And they study hard, and we have great classes here at Fountainhead on, on Sundays and Wednesdays. They do that for you. They do that for me. I love them. Yet because of the worry... The jobs, the ball games, the Bible, and its study. It's just neglected. But neglect of the Bible, it's just really a tip on the iceberg. Also, the sick are neglected. You know, if you're nervous about going to the homes of the sick, this congregation provides a time or times when you can go to the nursing home as a group. Have you ever been... We're going today, we're going to, the, to Highland over here, the bridge at Highland, 1 o'clock. If you've never really visited the sick, you've never really visited old folks before, and you're kind of nervous about it, come with us. There'll be some of us there and we'll help you. You'll be blessed. The sick are neglected to pursue our pleasure. You know what? Brother Eddie and Miss Eileen, y'all may bear me out on this. I've noticed that those in life who never visited sure do love the visits, don't they? They sure do love them. 
going to the nursing home, to the jail, to the orphan home. We have opportunity to help. We have an opportunity to to make a difference in the lives of the sick, not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. But the cares, the pleasures, and the riches of this life, they just reach out and they grab us, and they pull us down, and we will never, ever go. Some of them who are sick of mind and body and spirit. Some of them may be even our neighbor. You know, our job, Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, our job is to tell others the gospel of Jesus. But because of the thorn bushes, we neglect our neighbor and need someone to teach us the first principles again, don't we? Because we have not grown as we have should. We need milk instead of meat. But what the cares and riches and pleasures of this life have really caused us to neglect. What they've really caused us to neglect is this. They've caused us to neglect our salvation. And that's the saddest of all, I think. Some in this audience have allowed the world to rule their lives so much, they don't know whether they're saved or not. Listen, sin and disobedience receives its just reward, so how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3. If you are being choked by the needles and the weeds of this world and have neglected even the most basic of Christian teachings... You need to do something radical. You need to do something radical. The weeds and cares and riches of pleasure have overwhelmed you and you need to pull them up out by their roots and throw them into the fire before you are. You need to repent. You need to replant this word in your heart. How? How did we do it? Well, look back at our scripture. Look back at Luke chapter 18. Notice what the good soul did in verse 15. Either hear the word with a noble and good heart. A noble heart it is a heart that's it's beautiful. It's handsome. It's precious. It's genuine. It's honest and good. That's what the good soul did. And this word... The good soul, they've heard. The good soul doesn't walk away and forget it. Notice, they keep it. And the word here carries with it, the word here where it talks about keeping it, 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 it it's, it's like a retaining wall. That's what it means. It retains it. Like a retaining wall that keeps the dirt back. It holds back what's behind it. The noble and good heart, they'll retain what they've learned and they'll use it. That's what the noble and good do when the seed is planted in good soil. They'll use it and its goodness. They'll use it and its goodness to bear fruit. They'll read their Bible. They'll be here when the doors are open. They'll visit the sick. They'll teach their neighbor. And they'll work out their own salvation too. That's what the good soul does. How? Well, notice. Notice how the good soul does this. The good soul does this 
with patience. That's what the Bible says. Knowing that I can't do it all. I can't do it all, all at once, but you know, once you have given your life to God, you can do it. You can do it. Maybe you have heard the word you've been studying. And you're good soil. You, you, you want to be baptized. Well, don't let the devil take the word. Don't let him take the word that's been given to you this morning. Get the rocks out so that it'll have a place to grow. But if you're a Christian, make sure that you're a Christian. Get radical. Rip that plant out by the root and replant it. Get it into some good soil. Get those thorns and and weeds and and cares and riches and, and pleasures out of your life. Those things that drag you down. Stop neglecting what you know to be right and embrace a good and noble heart to bear fruit, to be productive. If you need help planting or you need help weeding, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to baptize you this morning. Come down as together we stand and sing.